0: You're drowned by my perfect
1: fire My perfect life Well, hello everybody and welcome to the Word on the Hill podcast, your favorite podcast. We're back again. (laughs) (laughs) This is Scott Powell. (laughs) And and
0: I'm Father Peter. Very good. Yeah, I'm so excited today. It's like, it's warm
1: inside and it's (laughs) wonderful. Yeah, we're so excited, you guys. We're the lanky guys. And we're here to talk to you about the scriptures. (laughs) 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 Okay, so so, so, so so what calm down now.
0: So what happened today is that our friend Megan got a puppy. Puppies. And and like seriously, there's something about a puppy that like literally turns you into what you just heard on on the introduction to this (laughs) this particular podcast. Yeah, it's a
1: it's a very it's yeah, it's a cute puppy. It's It's Simon.
0: It's Simon. Which is really funny. I love that our our kids are actually biblically savvy um because they keep on saying you will now be called Peter. Really? Yeah, and so so oh, a lot of them they're like them. they're like can we call you Simon Peter?
1: <laughs> nice I'm work, like, nice work, our students. I
0: know, except for one person who is contrarian. Which oh, is, geez. come on, we do campus ministry. You cannot get away with campus ministry without having contrarians. What and they they were, like, say? they were like, "Can I call him Simon and Garfunkel?" <gasps> and, and then was, <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> and I was like, uh, I mean, I was not there for that particular moment, but no. I, I, it was just related to me. In, I mean, in not, a roundabout not, way, yes. No, relayed relayed to me. Oh, relayed. (laughs) Sorry. I guess it's related to you. Yeah. Well, I mean, because like my name name is is Peter, Peter, and you're the pastor. Yeah, and I'm. So any puppy jokes that
1: happen under this church roof (laughs) belongs to you. Yes. Yes.
0: Well, friends, today uh, we are so excited to be uh, in the second Sunday of Advent, though. So excited. How's
1: your Advent going, everyone?
0: Really good. Thanks. Awesome. Uh,
1: That's great. Do you guys have your Jesse trees up?
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. I Dude, uh, you, this is the thing is that like you're the only person I know who actually does
1: a Jesse tree. Because I'm awesome? You are. I mean, I bet, that's undisputed. I bet there's a bunch of our listeners who have Jesse trees. So if you guys are out there, send pictures of your beautiful Jesse trees yes. to the Linky guys' Facebook page. Put them on up. So the Jesse tree, if you don't know what this is, just a quick little thing. It's, it's basically a reflection on, um, really, Isaiah 11. So when it talks about the, the branch is going to, or the little shoot is going to come forth from the stump of Jesse. So it's basically this way of kind of teaching to children in particular uh, the biblical story, salvation history, and sort of what led, what is the family tree that led us to the birth of Christ. And so we do that, and so there's a little reflection each day and a little ornament that you put on that represents a piece of salvation history. I found it today actually goes way back to the Middle Ages, and the cathedral in Chart. In France, have you been to Chart?
0: <laughs> no, I have not been to Chart, but uh, no, no, hold on, no, no, I have been I to be Chart really before. A Chart is actually it's like Catholic Disneyland. It's it's actually one of the most beautiful places it's on earth,
1: profoundly beautiful. But they have one of the earliest um, stained glass Jesse trees oh. in existence.
0: I love the Jesse tree art. There's like there's really beautiful sculptures. Yeah, um, not it's cool just, stuff. Not just the one at Chart,
1: but it's a neat it's a neat way yeah. to. um yeah, just enter into ad- Advent's always tough for me because it's it's different than Lent. You know, you're not necessarily. Some people do give up things, which I think is a good thing. But you know, do you put the Christmas lights up? Do you not put them up? You know, we, we don't want to jump the gun on Christmas. It's Advent, so it's penitential. So I always struggle with, well, okay, what do I do with Advent? But but I, that's why I like the Jesse tree because it actually is a very tangible, practical way to kind of enter in with the family. And literally prepare for these things and talk about what's coming. Yeah, the, like so su- I like it. Yeah, success comes <clears throat> out of the stump. And there's some sort of a tree that I can put up early. Yeah, yeah, it's, which it's is all I care about. The
0: first reading is from Thank Isaiah you. 40, 1 through five. Um, and then we skip a couple of verses we can go nine through eleven.
1: Very good. Get you up on a high mountain, Father Peter. Yeah. And then our psalm, our sponsorial psalm is coming from Psalm eighty-five, verses eight <coughs> excuse me. Verses eight through nine no. Psalm 85, verses 9 through 10, 11 through 12, and 13 through 14. And our responsicle is verse 8. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Uh, Versicle. Uh, our, our response. Our, our response.
0: Verse 8.
1: Yeah. I don't, I don't, I,
0: you know what? We've been making so much fun of it that I don't even know it's anymore. It's so funny, though. It, it really. It makes me a Verse responsicle. It's <laughs> like I want to make those treats over summertime. I want to have a responsicle.
1: You don't think, Oh, oh, that's good. It can be an Advent treat.
0: It's an Advent treat, you guys. So this is your culinary challenge for Advent. Is you, I want you guys to post on Facebook your culinary interpretation of a responsicle.
1: I'm excited. Me too. I can't wait.
0: I've been watching uh, Master Chef Jr., which is like totally messed up and totally awesome. Man. It
1: reminds me of Muppet Babies. <laughs> <laughs> That's the evidence that came into my head. All right. Yep. What's our second reading?
0: Second Peter, yeah.
1: 3 8 to 14. Very good. There's our, a lot of 14s. Yeah, you better believe it. Yep. And then our Gospel, well, our Alleluia, which we're not really going to talk about, is Luke 3 4 through 6. 4 and 6 which maybe we'll touch on it in, in regards to the gospel. Our gospel, though, comes from Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. So there you have it.
0: There you have it. We're super excited to be able to comfort comfort my people, says the
1: Lord. Yeah, I'm super frustrated, though, to talk- be honest with you. What? Because I really mm-hmm. want to talk about the gospel first, but I don't think we should. I- I'm having a hard time not going straight to the gospel, but we can't do that. Well, how no, you exactly understand. <clears throat> well, in a certain
0: sense, okay, we can't do it. I mean, but we got. But, but we it connects plow. in so so intricately, and then it. Then we have the web of all of the other Micahs and Deuteronomies and Micahs.
1: Yeah, dude. Oh, 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 yeah, oh In the Gospel. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I'm there. I'm caught up. All
0: okay, right. so let's go to. Uh, so right now today, Isaiah, <coughs> we're in Isaiah. Isaiah 40, and it's it's um, Deutero Isaiah. This is the demarcation line to where we enter into the celebration and rejoicing of. Uh, all of the the curses and sufferings and trials that have been involved in Isaiah, this is like this is the demarcation line, which is yeah. perfect for Second Sunday of Advent because we're looking for a demarcation line. We're and, looking for for comfort for yeah. because is Jesus gonna come? I think so. I mean, our real hope. So. I'm, I'm
1: I'm counting on it. Yeah, me but too. this is so you know we call the second half of Isaiah the book of comfort as opposed to the book of judgment, and it's called that because of literally of this line. Comfort, give comfort to my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. And remember, again, in our context, we've talked about Isaiah a lot on the show. If you listen to us regularly, Isaiah, you know, split into two parts. One is all about the judgment that they're bringing upon themselves because of their sin and their breaking of the covenant. But then the second half is all that despite that sin, despite the punishment, despite the judgment, the real consequences that are coming, God is going to bring restoration out of it. So take comfort, take heart. It's okay, and they're probably reading this, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of um, really reaping those consequences. So God is saying in the midst of that, in the midst of your punishment, you know I, I, this, it's a weird analogy, but you know I remember putting my son Samuel in time out last night because he was just he' got a little gray gray and I had him in timeout and he was just <laughs> he was just kind of mad and he was yelling and he was crying a little. And I remember so he was in time out, he's in his room. And I was saying, it's okay, Samuel. Just calm down. It's gonna be fine. And the sooner you calm down, the sooner you can come out. And it's almost it's almost a good analogy for kind of this. I mean, they're living in the midst of their timeout, right? They're living in the midst of their punishment. And while they're in this kind of you know spiritual timeout, God is saying, it's okay though. Don't just take a deep breath, relax. It's gonna end. It's it, you are gonna come out of this. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yep. So it, it, last night gave me kind of a new insight into that. Yeah. Because he's comforting them while they're in it. While they're in the punishment. Yeah. So what's the comfort? Well, comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. I mean, that's the other thing about punishment. You know, every every parent has to punish their children at some points. But, you know, I think any good parent knows that it's better to punish your children in a calm way than in a yelling and screaming and being, you know, furious with them. Because that, at least with my kids, tends to make everything worse. If I can maintain some composure and be calm be like, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to have a little time out. We're going to do whatever. It's just better. So God is saying, okay, you are being punished, but I'm still going to speak tenderly to you. Because I'm not just mad and angry and furious with you. I still love you. And the reason you're being punished is because I love you and because I'm your father. And it's, it's actually for your good. So I'll speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her service is at an end. Her guilt is expiated. Indeed, she has received from the hand of the Lord double for all of her sins. It's okay. This is going to end. And you're going to be fine. Take a deep breath, and all is going to be forgiven. It's okay. Yeah. You know, that's that's just what I'm hearing for this. And then we jump sort of to this—sorry, uh, I feel like I cut you off. Well, yeah, I just <clears throat> am, yeah, you did, am thinking about—yeah, you did. <laughs> I didn't say—
0: this is Thought a, in th- your eyes. yeah, well, uh, Father Greg Peterson, he would call this calm, assertive man. Mm. The calm, assertive person is the one who can say, this is what we're going to do. And there's no need like, cause it's not a, it's, it's not like a perceived injustice. You don't have to like yeah. rally up anger, uh, to, to say, no, this is where we're going. But it's like, he says like, speak tender to, to Jerusalem and tenderji and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that yeah. her iniquity is pardoned, and that she's received in the Lord's hand, double for all her sins. It's like, did you listen to that? And it's like you've been punished double over, and this is going to be over now. The warfare's done. You'd be like, yeah. I just want to cry and go to sleep. No.
1: <laughs> like, like, I and mean, he's basically saying you can. I mean, wake yeah. up, but you know, it's okay. Take a take a breath. You can rest. Yeah, man. it's all right. I don't know. It, it's it's. I don't know. You know, people tend to read the Old Testament sometimes in this opposition to the New Testament, where New Testament God is all loving and forgiving and hold hands. Marcionism. (coughs) It's a form of it. Yeah, yeah. And then Old Testament God is, you know, crazy and mean and wrathful and punishment and fire and brimstone. (laughs) But, you know, we... (laughs) But it's the same God. The same God that says, forgive your enemies and, you know, turn your cheek to those who persecute you. Is the same God who is doling out necessary punishments when he has to. Yeah. So uh, how do we how do we find this? Because again, this is uh, a foreshadowing of something. I mean, this is not ha- this comfort, this speaking tenderly, this this guilt being expiated. It's not happened yet, although it's being given in the present tense. So how are we to know where to find it? And that's where Isaiah gives us the answer. It says, "A voice cries out in the desert. Prepare in the wilderness. Really, more accurately, prepare the way of the Lord. The way of the Lord." is this really common theme throughout the scriptures, especially in the gospel of Mark. It it is the, I think, um, fundamental principle in the gospel of Mark, which is where our gospel comes from this week, right? The idea of the way of the Lord. And for Mark, the way of the Lord is not a metaphor. I think Mm -hmm. that's how we think of it sometimes. It's, It's, oh, it's the idea of how we follow the Lord, or it's a principle for living, or it's a practice. No. For Mark, it, it, the word way is the word hodos, which means literally a road or a path or a highway. It's, it's not an abstract word. It's a very tangible, concrete r- word. Yeah, so yeah. the way of the Lord is literally the road of the Lord. So it says here, listen, listen to this. I think this is fascinating. Listen to this carefully. I don't know if you've heard me give this gig before. N-
0: n- no, but, but, but uh, I, I actually <laughs> have, an, I have a, a, a thought um, even about what comfort is uh, in the midst of this uh, okay. b- bef- before we actually start to walk on this way with you. What do we call the Holy Spirit? Um, the paraclete. The comforter. So oh. it, it, comfort, comfort, my people says your God. That mm. this is actually, he's witness to an interior movement of the oh. Trinity. Ooh. That what is, oh. the, what is the preparation of the way of the Lord? We're going to see one crying out in the wilderness, which is going to give us allusions to the baptism. Wow. So I don't know. I'm just I'm just saying that there, that there's that, that that there's that in a certain sense I was I was asking myself I'm like who's supposed to be comforting the people, and I'm like
1: oh the, the comforter. comforter oh that's good yeah I like that a lot yeah so so let's walk the way well that that's I mean I think you're setting us up perfectly for the uh, the for the, the um yeah well for the gospel um where are we okay so a voice cries out in the desert in the wilderness prepare the way of the the road of the Lord. Now listen to this, because you're a very... I think this is going to speak to you and who you are. (laughs) Um, So listen carefully. And forget you've heard this before for a second. I'm trying this as an experiment on you. I don't know if we've talked about this before. I just don't remember. It's all right. It's cool. Um, Forget you've heard this ever before. Okay. In the desert, prepare a road for the Lord. Make straight in the wasteland a highway for our God. Every valley will be filled in. Every mountain and hill made low. The rugged land will be made a plain the rough country, a broad valley, and then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. What is this describing to you?
0: It's describing the scene in- Don't over-spiritualize No, it. no,
1: no. It's describing
0: the scene in Cars where, <laughs> they're, 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 where, where, um, where the the blue Porsche is describing to the, the red fire, the red hot rod- Lightning McQueen. Lightning McQueen when um, the highway bypassed um, the springs because there were all those windy roads and there was hills and valleys, but then there was the highway that was being built- Um, Just right there. And so they had to like kind of like plow through mountains and fill in stuff. They're talking about highway construction.
1: They're talking about highway construction. That's exactly. Have we talked about this before? Yes. Yeah. Oh
0: no, well, no 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 but, but but, I no mean, but but I I just opened it with my ears and, and what I thought of was cars.
1: Because that's what I mean, if you we tend to want to over spiritualize things sometimes. Yeah. You're like, Oh the valleys will be made low and the, the broad <laughs> lands will be turned into a plain <laughs> In the eschatological vision of it. But you're like, No, there how do you build a highway? It says we're gonna build a highway for our gods, so Fill up the valleys, put dirt in the valleys to build it across and bring down the, you know, the hills and cut through the canyon. I mean, that's how you build a road, right? Yeah. It's literally describing highway construction. Now, why is all that important? Well, that's the way that the glory of the Lord is good, is, is going to be revealed. And the people will all see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now, we jump to verse 9. And I think this is really cool. So, um, because Isaiah, you know, Isaiah. Isaiah. Is that- Isaiah. Isaiah is often called. Do you know the nickname for Isaiah? Have we talked about this? No. The fifth gospel. You oh yeah, yeah, before. yeah, yeah. I've heard that before. Because they're so. it's I, so I thought you're dis- talking about like Izzy
0: or something. <laughs> <laughs> Isaiah? <laughs>
1: no, yeah, Izzy, Izzy Beans. Um. <laughs> <laughs> just <maybe this laughs> made those my I Um. We have a friend. Do you know the? You know the Munsons. I guess. Yeah, I know yeah, the Munsons. I know I know the Munsons. To this. Their daughter Izzy. Yeah. Who's a great, great gal. She and a stuff. server. She watches the kids once in a while, and Samuel has taken to calling her, her Fizzy. Fizzy, and the whole anyway. love it. So, anyway, so Fizzy is telling us to get up on a high mountain. What, what was that? What the heck was I talking about? A oh, highway see, construction. to you. <laughs> you um, are,
0: dude. How does it feel? It's it feels it's disorienting, terrible. doesn't oh,
1: it? Oh no, the fifth gospel. So because Isaiah has so much about what the gospel is. So, and actually, this is where we in a certain, It's not where we get the term, but it's where we get. I think our most major clues as to what the word gospel actually means. Do you remember what, what gospel means? Good news. Yeah. So this is, this is something if I, I always used to do this with my students. But, so the word gospel means good news. So I'd always ask people, I'd say, well, what's the gospel? They'd say, oh, good news. Because, you know, I, I bet 90% of the Catholics coming out of the door of a church on a Sunday, we've all kind of heard that. Oh, gospel means good news. But saying that gospel means good news actually tells me nothing. Because it's just saying, oh, what is gospel? Oh, it's gospel. What is good news? It's good news. That's just translating a word. If the whole basis of our faith, of the scriptures of the New Testament, is this idea of gospel, good news, this is a problem because I think very few of us actually know what the content of that news is. And I think if you then press all the same people who could say, you know, in the next breath because they went to Sunday school, what is the gospel? Oh, it's good news. Okay, so what's the news in a nutshell? I think we'd be kind of hard-pressed to summarize, Oh, well, it's it's Jesus cuz Jesus was born and, and God who loves us and he died on a you know, but it, okay, well what succinctly is the good news? What's the news? Because remember the word gospel is an Old Testament term. It's not primarily a New Testament term. Well, I mean, the I, New I, Testament I, I, is using an Old Testament term. evangelion, but I don't know <coughs> evangelion. the
0: Hebrew. Yeah,
1: yeah. Evangelion. Well, what it, what shows it this is what it is. So, get you up on a high mountain, Zion, herald of what? Evangelion. Evangelion, good tidings or good news. So herald of the gospel, cry out at the top of your voice. Jerusalem, herald of the gospel, the evangelion. Fear not to cry out, say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. He comes with power, the Lord God, who rules by a strong arm. Here he is. Here his reward is with him, his recompense before him. Like a shepherd who feeds his flock in his arms, he gathered his lambs, uh, carrying them in his bosom and leading um, the use with care. Use. <laughs> so according to Isaiah, and again, you can you can add on to this. You can jump ahead to Isaiah, what is it, 52, um, which talks even more about this. But what is the good news? I mean, according to Isaiah, if you just had to take this apart and say, okay, so in a nutshell, according to what Isaiah has just told us, what's the good news?
0: The word of our God will stand forever, which is not in this.
1: No. Well, that is that is good news. But according to what the, we just read. That there's a way. What is it? It's yet he to be constructed. I, I. But he told you exactly what it's going to be. You tell me. So what's the problem? Let's take it apart. And I'm not trying to. You're play not. With you're you. not. You're not trapped. <laughs> but in me. let's I, take it apart piece by piece.
0: This, this has always been my worst part in school. No,
1: I think this is great though. So so what's the problem? Remember the context. This is being written to a people, who have lost their homeland, and really the heart of the matter is they feel that God has abandoned them. Because remember, everyone saw the presence of God back in Ezekiel leave the temple. Because their one thing that they hung their hats on was that, oh, nothing can ever happen to us, nothing can ever destroy Jerusalem because God is here. And then they saw, there goes the glory cloud (laughs) off across the valley. So God is gone. So the fundamental problem is, oh my gosh, we're hosed because God has left us. He's not with us anymore. And because of that, we've lost our land, we broke the covenant, we lost our kingdom, we're in exile. How long, O Lord? What's going to happen? And God comes and says, comfort. There's going to be forgiveness. This is going to be fixed. Well, okay, what do we look for? Well, he says, look to the desert. Look to the wilderness because there's going to be a road built from the wilderness. And what it says in verse 9 and following, get up on a high mountain, O herald of glad tidings of good news, of Jerusalem, herald of the gospel. Fear not to cry out. Say to the cities of Judah, what are they saying to Judah? Behold your God is doing what come the lord god comes with might he's coming with power so to a people who believe that god has abandoned them what's the good news that god is coming and he's coming again and he's going to be strong and he's going to be a shepherd and he's going to gather and carry and lead that's it but it's so specific because what is it saying it's saying okay you people who believe that god has abandoned you which he hadn't He just isn't visible in the same way anymore, right? Yeah. But you people who believe that God has abandoned you, there's good news. What's the good news? It's that God is coming back. But it's not just this obscure, abstract idea. If you want to see the God who's coming back, what should you do? Where should you look for him?
0: Will you go up on the mountain? No. That's what you do when you see him, that's where you
1: proclaim it. Yeah,
0: yeah. You go on the way. Where's the way? It says.
1: Um, well, it's in the, desert, in from the this, desert from this dude who's crying out. Well, that's it, though. It's in the desert. So if you're presumably in the capital city, Jerusalem, or somewhere in Judah, and you want to know where the Lord is, you look east. You look to the wilderness. You look to the desert, which is around the Jordan Valley.
0: People that's, look
1: east uh, under today,
0: because uh, the Lord is uh, on the way. hope Mark look Thomas look doesn't east. listen to this.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good tongue. So here's the thing, though. What is the gospel? It's specifically that your God is returning to you. He's going to come from the desert. There's going to be a highway that's going to take him from the desert with power. And if you read on in Isaiah into 52, it says he's going to come and he's going to defeat his enemies and he's going to save you. Mm. Why do we call the gospels the gospel? Because each of them begin Where? With the story of John the Baptist out in the wilderness proclaiming on a mountaintop this message and God appearing in the wilderness, getting on a road and traveling to Jerusalem where he will defeat his enemies. They're not just called gospels because there's some generic good news. They're called gospels because they tell the story that Isaiah gives you the script for. We should know exactly what's coming. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Thanks for listening today. That was an awesome <laughs> podcast. Like, Man, Good night, everybody. That, that's, that's actually really beautiful to actually understand what the Evangelion really is yeah. in relationship and why we're understanding this as the fifth gospel. And this is this moment of saying like, okay, we're going to define the parameters of what Evangelion exactly. is. Exactly.
1: Which I think is really important. Especially yeah. Just for catechesis. Dude, I feel that's like a <clears throat> mic drop, dude, right there. <laughs> Boom. Boom. Well, Mark, when we get to Mark, is going to blow it up even more. So get ready. So, so, get
0: so, ready. so Mark, so take Mark.
1: Take that. Yeah. So that takes us to the psalm, though. It's not that I don't love and want to talk about these two passages. <laughs> it's just that I'm really antsy to get to Mark. Yeah, yeah. But it's
0: okay. So psalm, psalm 85. I did, well, dude, this thing is I read them, and I'm like, I'm trying to get some stuff out of it. Like, I, th- you, okay, I mean, this is the problem: is that I got some uh, new uh, <coughs> biblical software going. Yeah, um, and uh, more on that soon. More on that soon. And I was, um, I was looking and uh, and like I kept on like following down a bunch of paths, and they did not lead me to this psalm or the second reading.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, uh, the psalm is the, the psalm is really beautiful. Lord, let us see your kindness and grant us your salvation. Again, if you put this in the context of salvation history with Isaiah. You know, it's a people who believe God has abandoned them. They're living in darkness. The people in darkness have seen a great light, right? That's what Advent's all about. So it's these people who are living in darkness, which is sort of what we represent in Advent, saying, Lord, let us see your kindness. Grant us your salvation. Come back to us. I mean, that's what what the cry is in Isaiah. That's what the cry is for Advent. Return to us, grant us your mm. salvation. I want to hear what you proclaim, you know, that you proclaimed to his, to his people. Near indeed is his salvation to those who fear him. Why is it near? Well, especially in the season of Advent, it's really close because we know he's about to arrive. And I don't know, yeah. I, I see lots of uh, themes that pop up in this. Well, the, the last
0: line in, of, of uh, all of the strophes um, is uh, righteousness will go before him and make his footsteps away. So if we're talking about the evangelion, then now we're we're talking about, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. We're gonna go wilderness, way, Jerusalem. Yeah. Boom. Here we have the pattern. This that's is the it? good news. And so yeah. his footsteps, it's he's that's why when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, what what we're seeing is that like, okay, here we go. The Lord God is gonna speak and he's gonna speak of peace. He's yeah. gonna comfort his people. Yes. And he's going to who they're then they're going to turn to them in their hearts. And then uh, there's going to salvation and mercy and faithfulness. And the Lord is going to give good and our land is going to be better. And his footsteps will be away. That's yeah. really pretty cool. So then we can follow the Evangelion. Yeah. So I think that's pretty righteous. Oh, yeah. Which uh which I, I gave everything that we have on the psalm here. So let's get into second Peter. Um. Right. And we, which we cannot ag- ignore, this fact, friends. That uh, it's really funny. Um, my my uh, friend uh Scott Powell here is uh, he's still based in paper. Um, like you lay you, off, man. I'm not laying off at all, dude. Come on, dude. Paper, dude, that's like so last century. Okay, I'm just kidding. We'll that's, actually, paper is really good because you never need a battery for it. Do you
1: it. know they did a study and they found out that people who read physical books retain more information and retain it better than people who read ebooks. really there's something about the actual mechanical movement of turning a page and the tactile nature of the paper itself that actually helps the mind to process what it's dealing with
0: oh i boom in your face i do like reading physical books more i i like them but i, I get the books but i have to say the the yeah, labor convenient. The labor of like trying to like find all the references of something yeah, of in course. like my thousand book have library. Have you seen
1: my office today?
0: I did see your office today, and I and I mocked you as your boss. Yeah. in my heart,
1: and with your voice. <laughs> I mocked you with. Do my you voice. have anything to okay. say about Second Peter? I have so much to say about it. Okay, because I, well, I I don't have so much, but I have some things. Okay, talk to me. Um, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. So Second Peter, um, <laughs> we've talked a little bit, I think, about Second Peter over the over the course of the podcast. first um, and second Peter, they're, they're sort of the they're the forgotten stepchildren of biblical studies, which is sort of sad because they're actually really profound. It, it's you know, you, you think of the Peter that we saw in the gospel who was kind of crazy and didn't always make the right decision and you know um, was quick to draw a sword and, and told Jesus he was not going to go to the cross and rebuked him. I mean the, the kind of crazy, immature Peter, by the time we get to these letters, is mature, Pope Peter, who has been leading the church, has in, become an elder, you know very wise and he and he, and he gives uh, yeah he, he's spreading his wisdom. Um, second so first Peter, I believe, and I was just looking in my notes. first Peter, I believe um, the recipients were believed to be somewhere around the Tarsus mountains uh, or maybe it was the Romans I can't recall. Um, people who would have been familiar with with his uh, writings, people who were persecuted. Second Peter, we actually don't know the recipients exactly we kind of put the pieces together so we don't exactly know um who the recipients are of this letter we don't we don't have geographic details like we did in first peter but um we do know it's the second letter that he's written to this community but um first peter you kind of have to read them together first peter um thematically focused on passion and suffering so we're being persecuted we're suffering we're dealing with all this stuff sort of like isaiah is pointing to but second peter is a little bit different it's probably to the same recipients but now instead of just focusing on the suffering and passion of jesus it's um it's more to the glory of what that means mm. and so If we understand the passion, if we understand the suffering that we will inevitably endure, which they're enduring in Isaiah as they wait for the Messiah, um, we can be able to see the glory. I mean, that's what Isaiah is doing. It's taking a people who are suffering and um, hurting, and it's showing them this eschatological glory that is to come in Christ. Peter is doing the exact same thing. He's taking a, a community and a church who is suffering and being persecuted, and he's taking them out of that and showing them the eschatological glory and beauty that is to come, which is a perfect way, I think, of—it's a great passage for Advent. So so what does he say? He says, Do not ignore this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years. There's kind of two sides to this. You know, if, if you're back in Isaiah or even if you're in this congregation who's suffering— you're wondering, okay, how long are we going to endure this? And we don't always know the answer. We don't know how long, you know, we can ask the same question. How long is the world going to be a mess? How long is our country going to, you know, abort its babies? How long is fill in the blank? And his answer is, you know what? To the Lord, one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like one day. Don't Get too anxious that, okay, how come this isn't ending now? How come we can't put this to a stop now? I want it now. I want it this minute. Don't you understand God? Don't you see what's happening? Yes, he sees it's okay. It's going to work out in his time because he's in control. The Lord does not delay his promises, some regard, quote, delay, but he's patient with you, not wishing that any of you should perish, but that you should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord, what's the day of the Lord? It's the end. This world will come to an end someday and it's going to come like a thief and the heavens will pass away like a mighty roar, and the elements will be destroyed and dissolved by fire and the earth and everything done on it will be found out. This world will end. And it's going to be like, you know, it's funny. If you study the Old Testament, the Old Testament will frequently refer to the fall of pagan nations, foreign nations with um, apocalyptic language, like the stars will fall from the sky and the moon will turn black and the sun will turn to blood. Jesus uses the same language to refer to the destruction of the temple. And now Peter is actually using that political apocalyptic language to refer to the actual end of the world. He says, it'll be like that. But he's borrowing it. But there's a but. And he says, since everything is to be dissolved in this way, what sort of persons ought you be? So, So if you know this is coming, if you know there's going to be an end, that all of the things that stress you out all of your political worries all of your economic you know tensions it's all going to come to an end that's yeah. all going to pass away someday so if that's true what sort of persons ought you be conducting yourselves with holiness and devotion waiting for and hastening the coming day of the god, of god because because of which the heavens will be dissolved into flames the elements melted by fire But, according to his promise, we await new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you wait for these things, be eager to be found without spot or blemish before him at peace. It's the same message that Isaiah is giving. All of these things, Babylon, Assyria, your political enemies, the people who are keeping you in, um, you know, who are oppressing you, it's all going to pass away. And the Messiah will come. Jesus is coming how will you be when he shows up? Will you be prepared? Hmm. In the same way we, too, can take this reading from Peter and say, okay, we're dealing with the same sort of stuff. How are we going to be when Jesus actually does come again? Yeah. And I, I don't know. It, it's um, probably lots more we could say, but it's an interesting little parallel, I think. Yeah. And a good reflection, I think, for Advent. Which leads us directly to the Gospel. <clears throat> Right? Is that what you were saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, you just, just said it. Talking. You,
0: you just said it so well that I, did. I was like, I, I cannot add. I, I can't I cannot accent. add any flavor to that, man. No, oh, you can always add
1: flavor, That's... dude. It was
0: full flavored already, man.
1: oh No, no. shocks, 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 shocks. Um, yeah, it's a gospel. Um,
0: it's okay, the beginning. So much, so was, much
1: to okay. say here. Wh- 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 which Have we it? talked about this whole beginning part of Mark before? Because um, there is a problem that
0: we have to deal with. I've never dealt with the problem oh, of the beginning of Mark with you. We have a problem, my dear Father Peter. Well, this is interesting because the um, the I mean, it's titled, which is an interesting thing. I mean, the first verse is a title. That's true. Uh, the beginning of the Evangelion of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. True that. So that's cool.
1: So that's always cool.
0: Which I like that because it's it, it, when we talk about the patterning uh, that we started in Isaiah. If this is just the beginning of the evangelion, then we actually have good news that will spread to the end of the world. Yeah. But okay. um So so talk to me, man. Give me like, dude, take me to church here.
1: You ready for our problem? Yeah. So
0: the problem. I've got a
1: phlegm build up here. Sorry. Thank
0: you for telling all of us all about of us. that. That's really. I want to be honest with you. Yep.
1: You're like family to me. I should tell you. I'm struggling with. All right. (laughs) So the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. Now you have your little study tools in front of you, right? Yeah. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way. Now tell me really quick where that is in Isaiah. It says, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way. What passage is that in Isaiah? Uh, That's not in Isaiah. But Mark just said it was in Isaiah.
0: Oh, so Didn't he? he did say it, and that it was from Isaiah. The second part is from Isaiah.
1: Second part, a voice of one crying out in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make it, straight his path. We just read that. Isn't this from Deuteronomy? What? The I sent my messenger before your face. No. Exodus. You said it. You said it earlier in the podcast. Micah. Yeah,
0: it's from Micah. Because I, I I always forget where Micah and Deuteronomy and yeah all that all that I, I forget the mishmash. I I am <laughs> bad at sampling the Micah mash. The Micah mash. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I, I, it's not from Micah. I, I misspoke. It's from Malachi.
0: Malachi. This is we're profoundly looking for. important.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Because do you know where Malachi falls in the grand scheme of the Old Testament?
0: Last book of the prophets. He's the last, la- literally
1: the last word of God before there is silence for hundreds of years before Jesus Christ shows up. In, in,
0: ca- in, in fact, there's
1: 480 or so Ooh,
0: years.
1: Oh, yumpsy. So this is a problem, isn't it? Yes. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet. Then he quotes, not Isaiah the prophet. This is actually a reason, to be totally honest, why a lot of biblical scholars think that Mark is clumsy and and put together kind of half-heartedly and cobbled together from a bunch of different sources and and really a a poorly written gospel. Because they're like, oh, well, obviously he just made a dumb mistake here. Are we so naive as to think that Mark made a dumb mistake?
0: No, no. This is actually where we get into some really exciting biblical theology. Real exciting. Some super exciting structural stuff.
1: So there's two things, I think. Well, talk to me about that.
0: No, no. no yeah, I want you to I have t- two uh,
1: thoughts. take me to church here, man. All right. all right. So here's my two thoughts. First of all, like you said, he does begin by quoting Isaiah, uh, Malachi, chapter 3, verse 1. And then he has Isaiah after that, a voice of one crying in the wilderness. There is a, there is, I lost my notes, my paper notes that you make fun of. <laughs> no, I'm they're every, Dude, if I could take a picture you know of this right now, I, I if I had a vi- where you, where's my video camera? I'm getting this. I'm off. gonna post
0: this on Facebook. Seriously? Dude. Yeah, dude. This is all this right. is just how it how it goes.
1: No, but here, here's the thing. So one of the common things that ra- that rabbis would often do is bring two texts together or two passages together and subordinate one to the other. Okay. And show that one sort of finds its meaning in the other. So right. that that's common. That he would take Malachi and show. Well, look, Malachi finds its meaning in Isaiah. So Malachi needs to be read in light of this. So that, that's, that's a technique that's used. But I don't think it still quite answers the question of like, well, wait a second, but he said according to Isaiah. Yes. And then he quotes the wrong thing. So I have a theory, and I didn't make this theory up. I got it from our friend Way, who may have got it from somewhere else. So yes. i throw it out to you. This was originally written remember in Koine Greek. It okay. was the language that the New Testament was written in. Got it. Koine Greek has no punctuation. Did you know that? So there's no No, periods, there's no commas, there's no... But but there
0: are prepositions, so you can figure out prepositional There's prepositions,
1: but I mean, it's hard to tell where a sentence begins or ends. Okay. And so some poor monk, hundreds of years later, had to go in and try to find (laughs) out, okay, here's where I think a period should be here, and we should divide this verse here. Yeah. But originally, in the original manuscripts, it's literally just a jumble of words all put together. So think about this. What if, and I'm just throwing this out, what if... You take—because this whole scriptures are inspired by God. The periods are not necessarily inspired by God, where a sentence begins or ends or where a verse starts or end. All the text is inspired. Yes. Right. So what if—what if you took out the period of the first sentence? And what if—so remember all we talked about with Isaiah— how it is really the fifth gospel, how it helps define precisely what's going to happen, how it it defines the word gospel itself, right? Yeah. And shows what this gospel is. So what if you took that period out and instead of saying the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God, period, as it is written in Isaiah, the prophet, da, 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 da. What if instead what the author is intending to say is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God, as it is written in Isaiah, the prophet, period. Hmm, I like that. And then he goes on, because what is he going to do? Throughout the whole Gospel of Mark, he will quote Isaiah more than any other book. He quotes Isaiah all over the place. And it's not a far stretch to think of Mark writing this as the Gospel of Jesus Christ according to Isaiah. Yeah. Because he begins by showing this is what the prophet foretold. This is how it's being played out. This is how John the Baptist is the voice. Here's how Jesus is God coming and doing all these things. So I wonder if what he's saying is this is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ according to Isaiah. And then he launches into Malachi. And he says, behold, I send my messenger ahead of you to, pray your, to prepare your way. A voice of the one crying in the desert makes straight his paths. And they said, John the Baptist, guess what? He appeared in the desert like this voice that was supposed to appear in the desert. Proclaiming a baptism and repentance for the forgiveness of sins. He's connecting the dots and showing all the stuff that you know from Isaiah. Let's read Malachi in light of that. Let's look at John the Baptist in light of that. Let's see what Jesus is doing in light of what Isaiah the prophet has shown us, the script that's been laid out. Let's read it all in light of that and let's see what happens. I actually think Mark is written to a far more advanced audience in the faith, a far more catechized audience than any of the other Gospels. Well, the other other synoptics, which is not a commonly held belief. Everyone usually believes it's the first, it's the clumsiest, it's kind of, you know— before they refined the theology. Baloney. I think there's so much more packed into Mark than there is into the others, but it's just compressed.
0: Yeah. So that's I, why. I, I, can, I can, I mean, like I, I'm sitting here and I'm going through some of the tools and and looking <clears> and, and um, as, as I'm able to find, I mean, like. Actually, I'm looking at one particular interlinear who uh, that actually dro- drops Isaiah out of it, which I think is really? kind of... Yeah, no, that's a terrible idea. I know, it's a terrible idea, and <coughs> it just says, as it has been written in the prophets, and I'm like...
1: Which is a way, I think, to fix a falsely perceived problem that Mark has. Yeah. Because people perceive that, oh, it's a problem, that he said Isaiah there, because he didn't quote Isaiah.
0: Um, but where, whereas, I mean, you look at, like, you know, like the sbl edition of the greek new testament and you have you have isaiah in there so that punctuation thing i think that's really cool
1: it's a theory i mean i throw it out i'm not trying to i'm not speaking for the church by any means i'm just saying it's interesting to kind of think about it this way yeah but i want to add another piece to this All I right. think it's cool so malachi remember that's the first thing Pe- that he quotes peace be with you peace be and with your spirit <laughs> why do you
0: Why'd you say that? You're going to add another piece to this.
1: Oh, good job. That's neat. That's yeah, neat. I'm, yeah, I'm just You're the neat. Um, <laughs> I lost my train. You keep doing this. Um, well, I didn't no, do I'm nothing so to you, no, man. Yeah, that, I mean. That's you. That's uh, on you. <laughs> no, so the first thing he quotes is Malachi. So, I wanna, so Malachi, like we said, Malachi, I think, is so significant for understanding...
0: Oh, yeah. The, birth,
1: the coming of the Messiah, because literally it's the last word that God gives to his people Yes. before there's silence for an awful lot of years before Christ comes. Yes. But if we go back, if we're, if we're good little Bible studyers and we take to heart. So, I mean, the church has sort of helped us out. Matt, uh, yeah, Mark gives us these two really brief passages, assuming, I think, that you'll be able to unpack what those passages say. He gives you a quick line. From bigger passages, and the church has helped us with Isaiah 40 and unpacked a little bit of more what's going on there, and gives us the road construction imagery and all this stuff, so that when you're when you're reading Mark, you're like, Oh yeah, I remember all that Isaiah 40 said about the bringing down of mountains and looking to the wilderness, and there's going to be a road built, and he's going to, and our God is coming and doing all these things, right? But what if you combine that with Malachi? I just want to read this passage from Malachi. It comes from chapter 3, verse 1, but I want to read the first couple of verses. Here's what it says. Um, chapter three, verse one, it says, behold, I send my messenger to prepare the way, literally the road before me. Again, remember, this is God's last word to his people who think they're abandoned by God before their silence for lots of years until Jesus is born. He says, behold, I send my messenger to prepare the way before me, not before the messenger, not before this Messiah, this unnamed messenger. God says to prepare the way before me. I'm coming. Wow. And then the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to the temple, the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. What Mark doesn't give you is the second half of verse 1, which is not just that there's this voice or this messenger, rather, who's coming to prepare the way. It basically says this messenger is preparing the way for me, the Lord, who's going to come, and where am I going to come? To the temple, he said. He said, I'm coming to the temple. So again, if you want a pretty unbelievable view of how specific the Old Testament idea of the gospel is, if you put these passages together, what Mark is saying, you want to understand the gospel? The gospel is that the Lord, who you think has abandoned you, is coming back. He's going to come from the east. He's going to start in the desert. He's going to take a road to Jerusalem where he will defeat his enemies and go to the temple.
0: To establish a covenant with his people
1: covenant with his people. Why do we call all four of those books in the New Testament gospels? It's not because they're generically good news. It's because they each, in turn, tell the story of God coming back, starting in the wilderness, traveling a road, going to the temple, and defeating his enemies. Boom, 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 boom. I mean, it's so crystal clear what we're saying here. And Mark, brilliant Mark, is trying to unpack this for you and say, look, this is all here. Every piece That Isaiah was talking about. I mean, what I'm doing a little class on Advent. One of the things I want to say about the the problem of reading these Old Testament prophets, who are all so many of them are pointing to Jesus. Yes. I mean, have you? I I like jigsaw puzzles. Have you ever tried to put a jigsaw puzzle, like a big jigsaw puzzle? Have you ever tried to put a jigsaw puzzle together without doing the border pieces first? Oh, without the picture. No. And just here's a bunch of pieces, figure out where they go. I mean, you need the box. You need to see what it's going to look like. The Old Testament people had this unfortunate problem of a bunch of jigsaw pieces without any clear view of what this puzzle was going to look like when it was done. So we can look back now and say, oh, yeah, virgin birth, flight out of Egypt. Um, Oh, the, the thing from Bethlehem, a shepherd king, a warrior king, defeating his enemies, comforting his people. You know, yeah. What do we do with all of these seemingly disparate pieces? But we can look back and be like, oh, that's what the picture looks like now. I see it. So what Mark is doing is showing you, look at all these jigsaw puzzle pieces you had. Here's the picture. Here's what it looks like. Now you can go back and see.
0: Wow. Which is a
1: cool, again, way to enter into the second week of Advent.
0: Yeah, I, absolutely, it is. I'm, I'm, I'm just loving it because we're getting the pieces so that we can understand what the way is. Pieces of Jesus. Pieces of Jesus. That didn't quite run. No, uh, I. Uh, well, it, it's like, um, it's like uh, we watched the movie. I, I watched the movie Calvary.
1: Yeah, me too. That was a really, really movie.
0: intense movie but I didn't get it until the end that what happens is that it keeps presenting you the days of the week. Yeah. And then at the end of it, somebody was like, Oh, that was the imitation of the passion of Christ as done in contemporary, um, Ireland as somebody actually walking the way of Christ. Yeah. And then you're like, Oh, it's a representation of a Holy week. Holy week? Yeah. Oh my gosh. And it's imitated in, in a contemporary priest's life. Yes. And then you're like, Oh, Oh, and then watching it again now, all of a sudden the whole thing gets rich, and you're yeah. like, "Oh, look at that! This is actually the way in which he's he's going." And that's like yes. that's what these pieces are doing for us. That's yeah. what Mark is saying. Like just by going to Malachi and yep. to Isaiah and saying, "Okay, here we go. Here are these pieces," and now
1: that they would have probably been familiar with, yes, they just never seen in that way before
0: which it's interesting cuz i you know there's always a biblical i'm not enough of a biblical studyist study uh, studyist uh, study, yes. <laughs> to uh, be able to dispute or refute or talk about q source or yeah. that there's some sort of primitive thing that's deeper that goes in all of this for some reason like just uh, like i i just intrinsically reject it because we have real stories written by real people that are um official from the church as if they're like and, but when you talk about something like this like these are all people who they didn't have Lost or Fringe or Game of Thrones or you know, right. or The Sopranos or all of like they didn't have stories and ten movies and like they, they, they didn't have a movie a day or, you know, Master Chef Junior, you know. <laughs> like they didn't have all these stories. They had I mean they had stories, yes, from their local communities, right. but they had one overarching yes. meta narrative yes. of which they would have been hearing their whole lives all of these pieces. Exactly. And so the language and the whole notion and the authoritative reality of the community yes. being able to take those and then now all of a sudden here's Christ and he's playing and he's actually engaging those realities yeah. teasing them forth and acting within them yep. you're like of course you're saying like oh man this is this is this is somebody who's taking an entire cultural identity and Going into the very marrow and and yes. living the evangelion, the that's it. you know going from the desert into the way to Jerusalem, yeah. to the temple, to dying, rising, establishing the covenant with his holy people forever and ever unto ages of ages. Amen. Laman.
1: That's it. Well, everybody, that's it for us as well. We got to wrap it up.
0: No? Wrap it up. Yeah, you seem so
1: sad. I, no, I, I am. I just am you know, enjoying so. talking about this. Isn't I know it's fun. It is fun. I love it. This is my job. This is our job.
0: What's up? What's we up? encourage you to start your own podcast. Do the same thing.
1: Yeah, but don't just com- don't compete with us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, yeah, post your pictures of your Jesse trees. Make the uh, versicle. Show us what that is.
0: Yeah, it's the versicle. Versical culinary delights.
1: (laughs) Send us your emails. Send us your shout-outs. We want to start doing some more shout-outs again. Um, Find us on Facebook. Find us on Pinterest. Pinterest No, don't go to Pinterest. Uh, We we
0: need to do something. We we got, like, an account, but we never did anything with it. So Mm -hmm. we'll
1: post funny pictures of cats. All right. (laughs) Until then, have a great week of Advent, second week of Advent, and we will see you next week. Don't fake the phone. Never. The Word on the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado www.thomascenter.org You can also send us an email at lankyguys at thomascenter.org See you next week.